0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of The Cusp Show, the Columbia University Sports Podcast, where we talk about the business of sports with interesting industry executives and personalities. Uh, It's Tom Richardson speaking. I'm here today solo without my partner, Joe Favorito, who's busy with some other stuff, so I'm going to handle this one alone. Uh, But it should be a really good one. Uh, This is a topic we've been wanting to cover since we started the podcast, and we're really delighted to be talking about Copa 90 today. Copa 90, for those of you not familiar, has been described as the definitive youth media brand in football. When I say football, everybody, I'm talking about soccer, not NFL football. So I'm gonna use the word football and try to be smart guys with our discussion of the sport to make sure I don't sound like too much of an American. Um, And we're gonna be, and we're joined, I should say, we're not going to be, they're here with me live. Um, We've got the CEO of Copa 90, Tom Thirlwall, Welcome, Tom. Thank you very much, Tom. And his colleague, Mark Haran, who's the head of the Americas for Copa90. Welcome, Mark. Thank you, Tom. So, really psyched to have you guys, so thanks for making time, And, and Tom, welcome to New York get a nice hot steamy summer's day
1: thank you very much yeah we've just uh, uh i've just left london where we've uh, celebrated our fourth day of summer so it's a it's a, it's a national record uh, <laughs> Great. okay uh, but and it's that, the end of july But so that's that you're running yeah. out of time <laughs> all right so we have a lot to
0: talk about with this business because it's a very exciting business and it's really um one that uh is representative of A lot of the exciting things going on in the changing media world that we live in. So I thought I'd actually start off with a couple of quotes, third-party quotes about what this business is all about. So let's start with those, you guys. I want to just remind you of some things that have been said about you, and I'm sure you talk about these with your clients, so they're familiar to you. But the first one is actually from the British newspaper, The Independent, and this is a good one. Big clubs and the games authorities are coming in search of Copa 90's pixie dust for holding the attention of football's fan base. It's a big statement in this disrupted media world. So that, that that's a really nice compliment. So that's the first one. That's from a, a legitimate journalist. Now the other two, a little bit more commercial, but that's okay. We're going to look at the, um, a comment made by uh, Joe Carvey, who is the global and social director of Adidas Football. So what Joe said about Copa90 was that their expertise Within the rich intersection of football, brands, culture, and content is truly unique. Allied with their world-class storytelling capabilities, they have established themselves as integral partners for the Adidas football brand. Another really nice compliment, particularly from a commercial partner. So that's good. And now on the media side, we have a quote from Roberto Rodriguez, who's the head of football at Facebook. And Roberto said, when it comes to delivering creative content on Facebook, Copa90 are ones to watch. The team consistently innovates to drive deeper and more engaging connections with its passionate community of football fans. So, wow, that's very impressive stuff, guys. So, let's talk about it. Let's, let's start by you guys, uh, I guess with Tom, telling kind of the Copa90 story, where yeah. it came from and how it evolved to, to where we are in 2017. And then we'll get into some of the really interesting things you're doing with Turner, with your distributed media model, etc. There's a lot to cover, but let's get the context uh, in the background.
1: Great. Well, thank you, Tom, and, and thanks again for having us. Um, yeah, I, I, I get very proud when I hear those comments um, and and what people say about us. Um, even more proud when, you um, we look at the, the fans that we have around the world, and consider that in October 2012, um, copper 90 had just launched. Uh, we were trying to work out where you get your first views from, where you get your first subscribers. We'd been funded as part of a program that Google ran to uh, channelize and professionalize the content that was sitting on YouTube at the time. To move them away from being seen as a dogs on skateboards platform into a sort of mm-hmm. more professional content environment.
0: So when they were doing their content <laughs> initiative. That's <what's> right. <laughs> yeah, I that's remember. right. I think it launched
1: in the US in 2011. They brought it internationally in 2012. Right. And we were invited by YouTube to pitch for uh, the funding for... A, so they found you. That's right. Wow, yeah, for, that's, to, that's to, impressive. To, yeah. Well, I th- we, we had been doing a lot of work in the years previous to that. Um Working for brands like uh, Nike and Oakley and uh, Adidas, um, creating content that was living natively on, on on kind of the nascent digital platforms of the days. So we had created series on Bebo on MySpace, way before Facebook was taking you know video content and and obviously YouTube back in the day. Um, and so they had identified us as a business that knew the language and understood how to connect with online audiences. Essentially, um, so they approached us, and um, in September 2012, we completed the, the pitching process and were told that, against the 43 other companies that had, had competed for the, uh, the, the funding for the f- uh, for the football channel, um, that we had won, and we. We're up against the great and good of, of the sports production world. Some of the biggest producers, uh, you know, uh, rights businesses, sports marketing businesses, had competed for this. And um, the reason why we won um, was a combination of our ability to build. Very big audiences on nascent digital platforms, which we've sort of demonstrated in Spades ahead of uh, uh, ahead of pitching Copper 90. But there was a line in our presentation that still very much resonates today, which was: we will tell the stories outside of the 90 minutes that make the 90 minutes matter more. And that was our way of uh, getting around the fact that we could not afford the rights. So we used what was. In in, um, uh, in in sports, you know, sports media terms back then, our greatest Achilles Hill to become our greatest advantage mm-hmm. and. I can safely say this: that people at the time uh, thought we were mad. Thought it was impossible to build a sports business if you are not showing the game. There was nothing in the history of sports media that pointed to Copper 90 being a success. And I, and I really mean that. I, you know, had friends in sports media, in in uh, in TV production. The the and and two three years into Copper ninety being launched, I would still be asked the same questions. You'd get this sort of look on people's faces, like you were speaking, you know, trying to teach a dog French or something. <laughs> the, what do you mean? Well, what do you show then? Right. It's like, well, we tell the stories outside the ninety to make the ninety matter more. We tell long form documentaries. We get into the stands and the, uh, uh, and into fan culture and and. But they couldn't understand what that means if you can't show the game. And then now, today, uh, the number of times, whether it's through a brand brief or broadcasters approaching us, that what people are all chasing now is the everything outside the 90 that makes the 90 matter more. Um, Which again, alongside those quotes, brings me a lot of pleasure. when, When we're brought a brief that says, we want to connect with fans because, you know, we, we understand the value of fan culture and we're not really interested on the pitch anymore. We're interested in the stories outside the pitch. And, um, you know, for us, um, that was the very founding principle of Copper 90 um, And as we lie today, um, 2012, as I say, launched at the, the back end of the year. 2013 was, a, was a, a very much a sort of building year. It was the first time we... Covered Champions League, for example, uh, first time that we, you know, at, th- at that point had regular returning uh, 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 shows and uh, and content that was drawing now very big audiences. Um, 2014 became a real watermark moment for us because a watershed moment, should I say, where out of the 2014 World Cup, we. Absolutely knew that we were onto something bigger than just being a YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Um, we knew that um, there was an, a mission and a purpose that we were built to serve, which was uh, again in a, in a line that, that, that football uh, globally is the world's biggest sport. It's the world's biggest sort of cultural commonality. We talk about football being the world's language. Uh, it's the most universal language. Um, you get into a cab in Mumbai or Memphis and if there's a Man United badge or uh, something hanging from the rearview mirror, you've got, a, you've, you've got a conversation immediately with that person. Um, and we felt that we had the opportunity to take... Uh, and elevate ourselves from being seen as a YouTube channel which was all right and good and and, uh, and, and uh, we'd, we'd achieved that and we're proud of achieving that but we knew there was something bigger and grander that was to do with building a media business that truly represented this millennial uh, young football fan that was no longer in a dedicated way sitting down and watching you know um, uh, you know the 90 minutes with uh, in the same way that you know their parents were they actually view TV as their parents media uh, with the spiraling costs of satellite packages and cable packages we felt that there was an opportunity from the World Cup in 2014 onwards to build a media business that truly represented championed and served that young audience yeah and all the
0: the, the mega trends in the market were actually helping you. At the Absolutely, time, right. The shift to kind of a mobile first, uh, cord cutting kind of world that we're living in now. So uh, it sounds like that was uh, good timing as as you had that success with the initial YouTube thing. So at what point did you start branching up beyond YouTube to take advantage of Facebook and the other big platforms? because by the way, can you just confirm that all along the plan was to build a distributed media model? as as the the basis for this? I would say
1: that the plan from 2014 onwards where we knew that there was something bigger and grander at play here was yes very much to build a a distributed media business. I think that for the first uh, two years leading up to that, well a year and four or five months should I say, um, we we were building a, a YouTube channel And we're always thinking, well, what next? How could this be bigger? And it just came across to us, you know, in Spage during that World Cup where, you know, it was the Twitter World Cup in terms of the amount of noise around the World Cup final and when Germany beat Brazil 7-1 in that incredible car crash of a game and a nation literally mourned what felt like the death of football from, from a Brazilian perspective. You could see that, uh, that TV couldn't possibly capture the depth of emotion and feeling right, that was coming out. But if you looked on social media around that time, you got the sense that this was a cataclysmic, almost religious disaster that had happened and befallen the, the Brazilian team. Uh, and it's, it's, it's part of that, that that sort of kind of drives um, us today and how we position the brand. We talk about Copper 90 is how football feels. Mm-hmm. You go to TV or traditional media to get the score to watch the game, but you, you come to us and you enjoy your time with us right. because we are how football feels. Yeah,
0: so Tom, just back up a little and finish the chronology, yeah. especially to the point where Turner, you got involved with Turner. Uh, and the kind of expansion with more Facebook business and, and all that, and then of course the, the entry into the US and, and getting involved with Mark and
1: sure. all that. Um, so yeah, twenty fourteen beyond the twenty fourteen World Cup, we 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 knew there was something grander that we we wanted to build. So we decided that we were going to raise money in order to do that, um, and uh, we raised our we, we we raised the money from some angel investors uh, back in twenty thirteen, but. Um, 2015 we took our first um, uh, institutional uh, uh, fundraising which was between a, a VC called e ventures and uh, Liberty global mm-hmm. um, and then significantly to this conversation and, and 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 to what you're alluding to in February of this year we closed our series B with with Turner um, and um, we uh, we were Delighted with 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 the, the, the investment coming in from Turner at the, at the beginning of this year, and are even more delighted today as we land uh, at the moment planning a, a, a World Cup and various initiatives around Champions League and other other leagues around the world. Um, to have Turner on board, um, you know they didn't buy a majority stake in the business; it's still a minority investment. But we felt that the time was right to. Um, to, to kind of really look to one of the, the, the kind of media powerhouses to, to kind of help us with the next yeah. stage of the journey. And also
0: a media powerhouse that had succeeded uh, to, to, a, to a large degree, uh, very large degree with uh, Bleacher Report, mm. uh, which they had acquired, I think, in 2014 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think it was um, 2014. Yeah, yeah, so that's an interesting combination. But So around that time or a little bit before, Mark, you came on late. 2016, correct? That's right. Yeah, so talk about the decision, Tom, to actually expand and, uh, to, to North America, yeah. trying to build the business over here in, in, in a very different kind of marketplace for, for global football. Yeah, well,
1: we, we um, had long held this view that... Um, you know the, the US market for us represented a huge uh, and rapidly growing opportunity and we felt that we wanted to get there, get in there on the ground floor before um, uh, before it really kind of mushroomed and exploded over here. Again, we saw patterns of kind of behavior and growth during the World Cup in 2014. of course the US men's team had a, uh, had a great year the US women's team a year later obviously won, won the World Cup. And looking, uh, at, as we did, at our now partners in, in North America, um, uh, Major League Soccer, we could see that there was this rising tide of US soccer support. Um, and, and so, yes, in, in, in 2014, we, um, uh, we acquired uh, Kick TV from Major League Soccer. Um, and which well, was
0: specifically for those who don't know was it just an over the top soccer channel correct? yeah
1: it was, a, it was a YouTube channel very much yeah. built in the same way that Copper90 had right. built so YouTube had funded it back in the beginning of 2012 mm-hmm. um, and they had got to a, a very you know, strong subscriber base or built a very strong subscriber base should I say, had a great reputation and some brilliant people working for it and we had a decision to make, do we take on this North American opportunity uh, as a plucky British company uh, uh, setting up from scratch, or do we acquire? And we decided to acquire, mm-hmm. and so that began our our, our soft landing into mm-hmm. the U.S. market. And uh, yeah, very pleased that we went that route because we are automatically connected into uh, an audience um, with a you know a strong brand and great output in terms of content. But also with uh, Major League Soccer, we had a a way into the industry over here, which all of those things individually could take an awful lot of time. And I think that we got, once we'd um, certainly concluded our first round of investment, uh, we really started to put more kind of weight in terms of kind of spend and ambition behind what we did in North America. And then uh, along the way met Mark sort of middle of last year and by the time we got to December it was time for Mark to come over and, and you know lead the charge from a, from a US perspective. Um, and it was great for us as part of that investment story as well because Turner were very interested in our take, the Copper 90 take if you like on the North American opportunity and to show that we were... Uh, you know, uh, uh, you know backing our ambitions with someone of Mark's experience and credibility to show that we were able to attract talent of Mark's experience um, you know away from businesses like ESPN as we've been able to do across the board now with with, with hires across the business. Um, I think was was just throwing down a big marker to Turner to say, we're taking the U.S. seriously. We've got a great audience over here. We're we're now going to start taking a real kind of bite from a commercial perspective. So yeah, Mark joined us in December 2016. Right, and that was an inter- that
0: was really interesting because Mark um, has a lot of soccer uh, football experience. He was a D1 soccer player at our at our favorite favorite small school. Iona college yeah. in Rochelle. A long, long time ago, Tom. Yeah, a long time, but that's okay. Um, but a legitimate fan, you know the sport inside and out. Yeah. And on the professional front, uh, a stellar career at ESPN that was close to eighteen years or so. That's right. Um, so, what did you see in the story yeah, that attracted you to Copa90? Well,
2: I think to uh, to your first point, like I grew up playing soccer. That was, <clears throat> excuse me, for the first half of my life, that was my identity. And then, you know, graduating and getting into sports media, and sports marketing. You know, the opportunity to uh, to get in the industry was was incredible for me. Awesome years at ESPN. Some of the best years that I had there were managing ESPN FC Mm -hmm. uh, through the last World Cup. And uh, we had seen tremendous growth uh, over over, uh, four years that I was managing the business and and they're still seeing growth. But for me, it was just the opportunity to grow soccer in America. Uh, At ESPN, there's a lot of different businesses that we were managing and growing. Soccer was one. The fact that what, what drew me to Copa 90 was the simple fact that soccer was all that these guys do. That's, that's mm-hmm. the company's entire business model was focused on soccer fans and growing soccer culture, which I think is an underserved marketplace, not just in America, but around the world. There's a lot of companies out there competing for rights, as we, as we know, but there are very few companies out there that are just focused on fans and fan culture, which I'm out there in the marketplace talking to brands every day they're trying to make these connections. So the business opportunity, there's obviously there's, there's the audience opportunity that's, that Tom has talked about. But just connecting brands to this audience is really resonating with, with people that I'm talking to, which has been
0: incredible. Right. And what's interesting is that you were at, at ESPN, you were leading the charge in most of the revenue uh, development areas of the business, ranging from advertising yes. to subscriptions, et cetera. Um, so did you get a sense from working with brands through the ESPN job? that they would like this kind of story? Like, I'm sure that factored yeah. into your decision. Well, it was, it was interesting it. because every four
2: years, you know, we had the World Cup from 2006. Mm-hmm. Every four years, there was this incredible energy around the company right. to um, to smash the World Cup. And yeah. and we did. It was right. just, I think for me, the best year of my career at ESPN was in 2010 around the South Africa World Cup, where the, the, the energy, the enthusiasm, the entire company rallied around it. It was just... It was something that I'll never forget, and when you when you taste that, you see that the power that soccer has to unite fans, cultures, and sort of celebrate um, celebrate fans around the world. It, it just it, it opened my eyes to to a greater opportunity. and I think the fact that you know we are coming into a World Cup year, there's sort of an interesting moment in time with it being in Russia and explaining what the Russia World Cup is going to look like to brands. We were just on the ground in Russia for the Confederations Cup. With brands like Visa and Hyundai mm-hmm. so you have you know we have the experience we know the opportunity in front of us we know the entire world is gonna be watching and we're really I feel setting ourselves up for an incredible 2018 not just from an audience perspective but also commercially
0: yeah Tom I gather for those first few years you weren't focused too much on monetization you were just trying to build the business and the brand i, I suppose, suppose that a uh, fair statement d-
1: um 2012 uh 2012 and most of 2013 that was that was the okay. case um we first we we brought our first brand on which was HTC for the 2013 2014 Champions League season Amazing. and we sold that as a as a, what what would have looked like to the naked eye as it was like a tv sponsorship so it right. wasn't the pre-roll advertising
0: right. on youtube it was it was a it was a a, an event uh, and content sponsorship okay and so the monetization efforts evolved over those next few years and now you're full full speed ahead on monetization so so let's spend a few minutes on numbers as it relates to the story of copa 90 for for the brands so i believe you're now up to 80 million Video views per month, cross-platform, fifteen million subscribers. That's right. Talk a little bit about that and the demographics and what the response is in the marketplace over the last six months. You both can answer.
2: Yeah.
0: But uh, Mark, why don't you yeah, start? Yeah, I know for, you're doing it day to day. Yeah, so
2: you know we're out in the marketplace, and as Tom mentioned, we're we're reaching a, a very young audience. It's difficult to, uh, and I'm, you talk about this in your podcast often. They're difficult to, to capture, uh, sort of way they consume media. And when we talk about our distributed media model and how we are programming our content specifically for platforms, so what you see on Fe- Facebook is different than what you're seeing on YouTube, which is different than what you're seeing on Instagram when you specifically are creating content for these platforms, we're capturing so to
0: leverage kind of the user experience nuances,
2: correct? That's right yeah. that's okay. exactly right. And so we're in the marketplace and we're talking to brands about connecting with with soccer fans on their devices in the moment, with content that they want to engage in—that's sort of the big difference for us. Is we're not a pre-roll company, we're not a display company, we're a content business, and right. we create content that people want to watch. So, kind of branded content. In That's effect. right. Right. So, you were doing
0: branded content before anybody was really talking about branded content. That's so. right.
1: In, oh. in in fact, in 2012, we um, we won the first ever can line in branded Seriously? content. I yeah. Did not know yeah. That. yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Great. With okay. Nike. Um, but, yeah, to, to, to Mark's point as well and to, to to answer the question about the age of our audience, the age of our audience also shifts slightly from platform to platform. So if if we look at, we had a show that we did, funny enough, in collaboration with Bleacher Report, who you mentioned earlier, uh, called Saturdays Are Lit. Um, and um, that was a show that ran on uh, every weekend during the premiership season last year and we'll be coming back in... in uh, at the start of the new season. Um, And we were getting 8 million kids watching that. And we we set out, we wrote our own internal brief on that, which was, we want to create the definitive Saturday morning, you know, uh, 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 global football show. And... We had no idea that it was going to be as big as it uh, it became. Um, Meant to oh,
0: complement what was happening on Saturday mornings in terms of <clears throat> Western, or, was, or U.S. and uh, European consumption. Yeah, to 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 say that it was designed to to
1: complement consumption would be would be too much of a traditional okay. kind of media. Too strategic. No, no, it was very strategic, <laughs> okay. but. Um, but you're, you're sort of almost conforming to the uh, sort of to traditional norms yeah. okay. this was designed to be uh, uh, to, to create a completely different aesthetic and tone around a football show so that anyone over the age of 35, 40 would look at it and go what the hell have I just watched <laughs> and if you were 17, 18, 19 uh, as our audience uh, uh, are on Snapchat would look at it and go that's amazing, there was hidden jokes and references and a colour palette and an animation style that to most people of a certain generation would see it as a complete affront to their eyeballs um, And uh, but just made an absolute statement it completely riffed off the week in football and took the mickey as we would say in Britain I'm not sure the posh way of saying it in, in the US but <clears throat> just completely riffed off in a very sort of punkish irreverent style what was going on in football right. and it was designed to frankly be a kind of uh, post night out hungover waking up on Saturday morning what's going on in football and delivered to you in this tirade of graphics and references that came at you you know, like kind of raining punches, basically. And it just absolutely captured a zeitgeist when we launched it. Um, you know, just to give you an idea of the numbers there, you know, 8 million kids watching it sort of globally on a, on a Saturday morning. The idea was that it went away um, on, a, on a Sunday as well. So you could, you could only catch it in that 24-hour window. And... Um, and half one, a million screen shares as well that's right I was going to say that there was various times where we were encouraging kids to you know screen grab and share it amongst their friends and uh, when we launched that half a million kids did that as well so that, that, that on one end of things um, is kind of how us as a modern media business as a distributed media business looks at the Snapchat opportunity looks at the way of telling stories and representing the audience in a in a, in a style and aesthetic that is a complete world away, seemingly from the aesthetic that we created on a YouTube documentary that went live about three weeks ago, which was about a, 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 you know a, a, a football game, which is a cross between. Um, it's called the calcio in in Florence, which is a, a cross between MMA, football, and rugby. Is probably have the it best seemed, way of describing. No, it. I have not. And it is so a show notes, yeah. it is a poetic and cinematic sixteen minutes of yeah. film wow. that is beautifully shot. Um, most of it is delivered in Italian with subtitles, and we swing between these uh, different types of content because the audience and the platform just demands different treatment. It's uh, and and. Us being adept at doing that, us uh, during the Euros last year were the only company and the first company to develop a, um, and this is why the the, the, the the quote from Robert Rodriguez is, is, is kind of, um, is flattering and apt, but um, we were the first people to develop a, Uh, a Facebook Messenger bot during the Euros last year where effectively you were getting content on demand in a conversational style through your Facebook Messenger, which included these beautiful little goal animations that we were producing within 45 minutes of a goal being scored to celebrate, you know, the the goal, but we would do it with a kind of flourish um, that... Um, one journalist described as I was moved to tears seeing the island goal represented in such beauty. Um, and, 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 and that's the point being a media business in this day and age um, where you have to be adept and skilled across multiple platforms, you have to have within your company. Uh, people that can produce uh, a Saturdays elite lit style show on Snapchat and understand the language and the aesthetic that's mm. going to work on Snapchat as well as being able to make a Italian language cinematic sort of poem to one of the most extreme games of football you'll ever see in your life and you know therein lies the, the, the sort of key in the future of where we believe kind of media is going and you know, Interestingly, the experience on Snapchat has led to then um, some, some, some big conversations with Snapchat about the World Cup next year. At the same time, uh, a whole raft of the over-the-top platforms are now engaging us, having seen our longer-form content um, to commission series or feature-length documentaries um, because they figured out that football, as a global sport, as a universal language, uh, has the potential to be enormously popular on global over-the-top platforms or mobile platforms. So there's more on that to, to, to come, but um, it's just interesting for us that we can, uh, at one end, be the darlings of a, an ephemeral media platform like Snapchat. Uh, we can be making 10, th- 10 to 30-second little highlights that are going on a Facebook Messenger bot at the same time as talking about hugely um, in-depth feature-length documentary series about the world of football and football culture.
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, Talk about the component parts of the the views. We talked about 80 million views, and they're coming from various platforms, including Facebook and YouTube. Could you summarize uh, the pieces of that? Yeah.
1: um, I think that... um, one important thing to mention here is being a distributed media business, one of the things that we've worked very hard on, particularly in the last sort of six to nine months, is building out our own distribution network. Mm-hmm. So these are partner sites and blogs and influencers around the world that now regularly, editorially and commercially, um, will take and place our content within um, right. within their um, you know within the context of their articles or, um, uh, uh, or, or within their content streams so you know we'll be doing out of that 80 we'll be doing roughly 20 to 30 percent of that on uh, YouTube the same again uh, maybe a little bit more on Facebook on average and then the rest of um, that is made up of uh, platforms like Snapchat, right. when a Saturday's a Lit is mm-hmm. on, um, and our distribution network. Mm-hmm. Um, and for us, the interesting area of growth—you know, 30 million of that 80 million views in in June came through our distribution network. And for me, uh, that represents how um, you can effectively build your own means to an audience or own means to reach an audience. So there isn't the traditional worry is the reliance on a single platform or a couple of platforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, for us, as we uh, as we build our audiences across those um, you know those those core platforms uh, which we don't own, um, it's it's very important for us as well to be a part of the football dialogue that's happening off those platforms and in other media environments. That sometimes a young Roma fan who has an influential blog that will be taking our Rome Derby content and actually working with them both editorially but also to then sort of play some of our branded content things has been right. one of the major initiatives that's, that's, that's taken us up to becoming the kind of distributed media business that, that we want to become.
0: Right, so that's interesting because as a practical matter there's a couple of Factors that that weigh in on the distributed model that I think I just want to explore for a minute, if you don't mind, and that is, in terms of monetization, typically you share with the platform, and oftentimes and there there are set uh, percentages, rev share agreements, yeah. I guess. So you're, I assume, facing that, which everybody is facing, of course. But talk about that for a second, using vis the opportunity. Uh, to kind of direct to consumer and own the customer. And then the second part of that is you don't necessarily have that um, direct to consumer relationship that provides all the truly valuable data that everybody seems to be craving in the sports business yeah. right now. Yeah. So is that something you think about as you look at that perci- that ratio, perhaps shifting more towards your own, let's say, owned and operated platforms or and, and kind of network?
1: So, first thing I would say about the um, the, the, the data piece that the, the implication is that's missing, unless you have an O and O. There are a number a number of uh, data businesses that that, that we uh, could have worked with. We decided to work with a company called Umbell, who are based out of Austin in Texas, that are allowing us um, through various kind of techniques, I suppose, to start to glean first-party data from uh, distributed sources. So it is less about us kind of chasing a future whereby we have to have an owned and operated uh, and more about how do we uh, get our audience across multiple platforms using the data layers that we're now building in and our partner uh, in Umbel, how do we get some more first-party data right. that, that then combines with all the sort of qualitative, qualitative data that we get anyway from our audience. So that is what I would say about data. That's not to say, and um, uh, it's it's something that it's in in, in the kind of infancy of, of, of kind of planning stages at the moment, but at some point or other, there will be something on a mobile device that will be in broad terms, very broad terms, a owned and operated play. Yeah, exactly. yeah. But right now, if I pointed to a mobile phone and said we'll have an o- owned and operated, people would jump to the fact that that would be an app or mm-hmm. uh, a, 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 a mobile experience created for today. Right. Our job at the moment is to build as big an audience as we can, and when the time is right, which will be over the next sort of 12 to 18 months, <laughs> Um, create a mobile experience that is right for our audience that will augment their lives that will be uh, uh, the the, the right experience for uh, our audience to experience Copper 90 Um, and it could be uh, a purely content driven uh, 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 experience or it could be Um, more of a utility and what we're working through as a business at the moment is what is going to be the right experience at the right time Mm -hmm. to deliver I think that we are not about building an O&O that looks like an app that behaves like an app that delivers scores and updates because I think that that is the ship that passed about four or five years ago. We have no intention of building a competitor product, product to our friends at Bleacher Report. Mm-hmm. Something that augments fans' lives, something that brings something completely different to the table that represents Copper 90 is what we're interested in.
0: Right. Okay, so let's talk a little bit. You mentioned Bleacher Report, and you guys are kindred spirits in the way you built the businesses. Everybody who's listened to this podcast knows the Bleacher Report story uh, and how they started and how they essentially, with this disruptive mindset and approach of aggregating different kinds of media and just basically approaching it in a really different way than the traditional players built up a great business, acquired Mm -hmm. by Turner, et cetera. So you have this terrific relationship with them now. What can we we all look toward uh, coming up uh, as you work with them more closely and integrate uh, better?
1: Without giving too much away, With 2018 being such an incredible year for the sport, it's a World Cup year, as ever it's a massive Champions League year, we'll be working with Bleacher Report and other uh, Turner brands such as CNN, uh, EI, their business down in Brazil, um, to deliver a, a, a huge number of initiatives that will present the World Cup and football in a completely different and original light uh, is probably the best way of saying
0: it for now. All right, well, that sounds like it's gonna be exciting. We're running out of time, but I wanna cover um, last business issue for the wrap-up questions about the recent news you made uh, regarding live game coverage. So it sounded really interesting to me, this whole idea of actually reconceiving how you would actually, via over-the-top delivery, quote, broadcast or digital cast, uh, live stream. Yeah. Uh, an actual soccer game. And, and the first one's coming up very soon, I believe. So well, tell us what you're going to do. So. First things first, there's, uh,
1: we, we've already streamed a number of live games. Okay. In fact, at the weekend, we streamed the Borussia Dortmund game. Um, is that so, one of the three that was referenced? That's in the... right. Okay, yeah, so I'm yeah. sorry I'm one step behind here. So, no, that's, that, that, that's fine. Okay. Um, one thing I will say is that we're not in the business of uh, acquiring rights and behaving like a broadcaster. Um, so that's first things first. Second thing I would say is that we're also not in the business of presenting any of these games either full or in highlight form Mm. in a way that you would recognize uh, a traditional presentation of of a football game. So again, it's a bit of a watch this space, but we intend to, in the true spirit of Copper 90 present in a fan-first, dynamic and innovative way, a different way for our young fans to uh, access um, and engage in in the game itself be those in highlights extended um, uh, extended game highlights or, or the game itself so um, so yeah we have we have big plans it's early days and specifically Facebook Uh it, 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 it is for now, but there is also other platforms that, uh, that we've spoken about today that are interested next year in um, uh, us, us delivering those kind of highlights in a Copper 90 way through their platform too. Okay, and to
0: be clear for everybody listening, these, these are free content initiatives that are going to be brand-supported, correct? That's correct. Yeah, okay. I just want to be... Well, that's exciting. You anticipate doing more of those in 2018? I do, yeah. Yeah, okay, because it seems like everybody wants to check out that space, uh, and especially if it's reconceived. I think that's a, there, mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot going on yeah. in the, in the reconception th- of the presentation. I
1: think our reference point here would be what we did
0: with Saturdays are lit. Right,
1: okay. <laughs> would be a good starting point to look at what we might do
0: with. We're well, we gonna have to put a link to that Saturday's or link because that's the third or fourth <laughs> mention, I, and I have to see what that is. So we'll do that. Um, God, there's so much more we can talk about, but we do need to wrap up. So the, we like to finish all these podcasts with a couple of quick questions for the edification of uh, some audience members who who think about these kinds of things. But really quickly. Um, how do you guys keep up with everything? And you can give just the short answers. Mark you first. I follow, How do you, stay smart? I follow you on Twitter. <laughs> okay, thank you. That and, wasn't uh, <laughs> that wasn't necessary, <laughs> but I appreciate that. No. Actually, and, and you should
2: mention Joe Favreto too. And Joe, of course. Um, yeah, the world. Of, we, we like we used to say to ESPN, and it, it doesn't ring any more true than today. Soccer never sleeps, so it is just a endless barrage of information around the world. What's happening in Argentina? Much different than what's right. happening in Scotland. Right. So we have, you know, my information. A lot of it comes from the team because everyone is so connected, and mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a global right. business. Um, but I, you know, I follow a lot of different folks on Twitter. Twitter is mm-hmm. my probably go-to source for right. quick information. Right. Um, I read all the, the soccer blogs. I still support my uh, former employer and, and ESPN FC who does right. a really job of breaking news and, uh-huh. and highlights. So, you know, just staying current with the... Um, with the global game is, is, is tricky and you need to you need to really gotta be on it every day you gotta, yeah. be, on day, every every you gotta one, be on it every day every weekend you gotta be on it one of the things that we've talked about we just started an internship program at copa 90 so for students that are listening there's an internship Great. program Thank you for coming bringing it up. uh and you know one of the projects that we have our intern working on is a global soccer calendar because yeah. it is very difficult yes. to keep up with it's confusing community. to a lot of fans
0: i, I, I believe it really is US fans.
2: um
0: but we're a little thick <laughs> yeah
2: but yeah it's, it's um, yeah okay, okay cool Tom how
1: about you uh, quite simply uh, by employing people under the age of 25 that's what wow that's, that's a what, great
0: answer that's what keeps yeah, us okay. current and will Good. give
1: hopefully hope to everyone that's listening <laughs> I, to this so if you're 26 or 27 you're <laughs> over yeah. the hill in Tom's <laughs> view of the world okay
0: um, and lastly how about some uh, quick career advice because you're both hiring people you've both been managers for a long time Mark you first
2: I think I've said this in your class, Tom, Uh, I think that if you're getting into the business, you need to look at all different opportunities, obviously, but there are ways in that people don't realize. You know, my way into the business was sales, Mm -hmm. and sales was an opportunity for me to learn the business, understand content, expand my network, learn how to speak, present, write, listen. And accept projection. Accept projection and, and learn to move on and, and, and deal with adversity. So I'm not saying that everyone needs to get into sales. Obviously if you're a journalism major and you want to write, there's obviously that path. But for me it's 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 definitely thinking about what door you want to get in, keeping your keeping your options open and staying after it. Don't take no for an answer, you know, just continue to, to knock on doors and, and get the right opportunity and never settle. Mm-hmm. Great. Tom?
1: Uh, Someone a lot wiser than me said thinking by jumping and uh, we always like that as a principle. Uh, I don't sit around and think about it, get on and do it, whether that's recording a podcast, writing a thesis about the future of sports sponsorship, just doing it is the most impressive thing when you employ someone who's come out of college and they have written a piece, recorded a piece, Gone out and done something with their friends, and uh, and delivered something that is fresh and opinionated, and frankly, just done it.
0: Yeah, that's actually great advice. And I, I don't think I think you weren't there on day three of hashtag sports. I was on that, that yeah. career panel. Yeah, and I talked about what is often referred to as the prove it economy. Mm. So in this knowledge economy, where information is king and all the resources for for actually doing things are there before us, it's really the prove it economy. So yeah. if you're a great photographer, do great stuff on Instagram. If you're a writer, have a great blog. Yeah. If you can if you can produce um, a video, go make videos on YouTube. And basically, you just sum that up really beautifully. So say it one more time, uh Thinking by jumping. Thinking by jumping, wow. Just get in, in there and do it. do it. That can be the title of your memoirs, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> If I'd said it, I didn't originate it. (laughs) Well, we don't know who the... Do you know? Can can we give credit to the person who said Uh, it? Do we know? No,
1: but um, I I will look it up again. Uh, We um, should find that out. But for now, it's
0: Tom Thurwall from (laughs) (laughs) Copenhagen. Well, guys, this was a terrific conversation. Thank you so much for making time, especially, Tom, while you're in New York. It's great. It's really... Honestly, I'm not just saying this because you're here and I'm a fan of the brand, but it's really one of the more exciting, one of the most exciting stories in in modern sports media today i'd say and i know a lot of people are paying attention i've been struck in my struck in my columbia experiences how incredibly deep and broad soccer or football fandom is we have a lot of international students and to see what nbc's done on television what fox has been doing on television the excitement around the world cup the the excitement around icc even uh, something i got to experience last summer uh, Is really terrific, and you guys are at the forefront, so you're combining. I mean, those quotes really summed it up, so there's no need to restate it. But being at this intersection of the changing media habits, the new technologies, uh, and a very different kind of audience uh, with different expectations, it's a great thing. So once again, we've been talking to Tom Thurwall, CEO of Copa90, and Mark Horan, head of the Americas for Copa90. Thank you very much, guys. Thank Thanks, you. Tom. Really appreciate it. And thank you, yeah, thank you, Marisa, as always, for a good job. Joe, we missed you on this one, but the good news about this podcast, you'll get to listen um, <laughs> next Monday. Uh, Joe, Joe <laughs> Favre is my co-host. He's, he's a famous guy. In the <laughs> At Joe Fav on Twitter. Everybody knows him. I follow, and, you. And his I follow Joe. I get a lot of news well, Since Joe's he's tomorrow. not here, we've got to give him all his credit. Um, and, and very quickly, because I know uh, we got to go, but how does everybody find you really fast on the key platforms?
1: Copper 90 on YouTube, Facebook, at Copper 90 on Twitter.
0: Oh, that's easy. Okay. Um, so good. So we'll put all that in the show notes, all those references you made. Uh, we'll send you a link to Saturdays or lit Tom. I can't wait to see that. Uh, it may change my life. Alright, thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you next time on the Cusp Show. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Cusp Show, the Columbia University Sports Podcast. I'm Tom Richardson and my co-host is Joe fabrito And our production assistant this week is Columbia student Maurice Eisenman. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple's podcast app, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and other key platforms. You can also find it at blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Cusp Show. And you can get in touch with us on Twitter at CU underscore SPS underscore sports. Also, you can find out more about our program Columbia University Sports Management Program by going online at sps.columbia.edu forward slash sports hyphen management. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time.